Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Thursday, the 10th day of September 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 163 in the chapter of Vision for You. And we will be starting with the second paragraph on page 163. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Leela M., 12 Traditions, Joanne L., and our readers are Penny C., Rachel N. M., and Deb W., and our newcomer greeter is Nancy J. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, the 9th day of September, is 7982. 7982. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Leela M. to read the 12 steps for us, please. Good morning. I'm Leela M. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Leela M. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Thank you, Monica. This is Joanne L. 
a compulsive, uh, recovered compulsive overeater, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, lend or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joanne L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in a a chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 163. We will be reading paragraphs 2 and 3 and commenting on both of them. And I will ask Penny C. to please start reading for us. Good morning, Monica, and good morning, everybody on the line. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the Boston area. We know of an AA member who was living in a large community. He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. This was only a few days ago at this writing, 1939. The authorities were much concerned. 
he got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibility for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So he inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? Our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. Excuse me. Um, Yeah, just a little bit of history. The the AA member living in a large community was Hank P., Hank Parkhurst by name. And the large community was Montclair, New Jersey, where he had just moved and he was he was um in the in the um basking in the recovery that um he he was thought not to ever be able to recover he's first mentioned in doctor um the doctor's opinion where dr silkworth refers to the man who had just had a gastric hemorrhage and was of pathological mental deterioration. And so Hank P. moved from another area in New Jersey to this um, city in Montclair, New Jersey. And the doctor he talked to was a Dr. Howard. And, um, and so the doctor was convinced that, that this man, Hank, had something going. And indeed, you know, passed it on to many other alcoholics and many others um, recovered. And sadly, though, Hank P. um, succumbed to his own um, resentments and and, uh, other, other character defects and went back to drinking four years later. But AA, as I read, is still very indebted to this man because he was one of the people responsible for getting the big book published, and he wrote the chapter to the employers. Now, what I see in this these two paragraphs is how how one person how one person goes to a new town and is able to affect recovery for so many people. And it reminds me that I've heard just in the last week of two cities that people have taken up together and are beginning face-to-face meetings based on our format here at A Vision for You. So it's been a long desire of mine to get a meeting like that started in my area, and I'm taking added and courage from these people that are starting it in these two cities, one nearby to me. And so I'm going to go with that. Let it begin with me like Hank did. And and there's so much each one of us can do. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. And who would like to share on these two comments here? We're going to, I mean, <laughs> these two Jarvis, paragraphs. Larry. Larry. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Charles, Larry, Melissa, Kim G. Kim. Okay, I have Charles, Larry, Rakafit, Melissa, Kim. Did I miss somebody in there? Nope. All right, let's go. Charles, you're up, and then it'll be Larry. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. And, you know, I'm just saying, like, you know, I thank God, right? Thank God for the doctors. Every time I hear about the doctors in the big book, um, Sometimes my, my 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 imagination gets fired up. Imagine a big book without the doctor's opinion. Couldn't do it. Couldn't imagine my recovery without the doctor's opinion today. Um, hey, if you listen, if you're looking for history and and and, and stuff like that from the big book, listen, man. I'm a brother from the hood, man. I, I I don't know about all that yet. I'm I'm just mystified that uh, I'm following a, a regimen today. I'm following a design for living today. You know, that's just, that's enough for me. And and, and I went to a meeting um, and, and, and illuminated this big book from, from my perspective, from my experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, um, it ain't nothing in me, man. It's the light, this little light of mine, you know, through the, through the 12 steps, through the program of action. That's what I talked about. That's what I talked about, the program of action. And, and thank God for the doctor's perspective, the doctor's opinion. Dr. Silkworth and, and and this doctor that he's talking about in this paragraph. Thank God because you know what? Like, I'm still mystified that I'm not consuming 10,000 calories uh, per day or actually per meal. I am still I'm pinching myself right now, and and I'm giving glory to God, um, who is the head of my life. Um, the guy talked about, you know. Wow, he was like, "Wow, you 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 sound like a preacher." I said, "No, nah, man. I, you know what? I'm just I'm just indebted to this this big book. I'm just indebted to it and and, and to the first hundred, the the, the, the the original trailblazers. And thank God for the medical people, and I thank God for the simple religious idea too. Atheists and agnostics, you don't have to worry. You can recover. All you need is a power greater than yourself, and it doesn't have to be a religious power." Just a religious idea. That's it. That's what the book says. So you know what? I follow the yellow brick road. It ain't me. It ain't Charles's way. It's the it's the way. It's the solution. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. Larry Kay, you're up, and then Rakafit. Thanks, Monica. Uh, thanks for your service, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So, yeah, Penny um, outlined uh, some of the history, which. Uh, you know, which, which, you know, is really, I've, you know, I've tried to become a student of history. Uh, and, uh, you know, she mentioned a number of things. And, you know, of course, Hank Parkhurst, um, you know, this was a guy because, as, as she had mentioned, you know, in the doctor's opinion, they talk about a guy, this guy was in bad shape. I mean, he was uh, someone who Dr. Silkworth identified in Towns Hospital you know, along the time, right around the time that Bill was there, um, and that's where they met um, uh, originally, you know, mental deterioration, you know, that was, uh, uh, who, you know, and he, he accepted the plan outlined in this book. So he got precisely what was promised. And, uh, you know, one year later, Dr. Silkworth could not seem to recognize this man. That's how much of a change this man had experienced. 
you know, um, after that Hank got sober and he and his wife would travel, um, my understanding is from, from New Jersey, Teaneck, New Jersey, that area, to um, every Tuesday for meetings at Bill's home uh, and, in Brooklyn. And, and Hank was, was someone um, who was characterized as full of passion for recovery. He was on fire for recovery. And, you know, when Bill and, and Lois lost their home in Brooklyn, they um, ended up moving in for a time with the Parkhursts uh, in New Jersey. And then, you know, those Tuesday night meetings were held there. You know, so there was a, you know, there was there was a kind of a, a, a charitable situation there. Um, and that was in Lois's diary that she had mentioned that. And so Hank and his wife, Kathleen, had started holding those weekly meetings there. You know, what 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 I pull from this, too, knowing about the history is now first, this guy was a former agnostic. And it was said that Hank came to believe in sort of a universal higher power. And he was one of the advocates in the early, uh, you know, the early discussions about the wordings of uh, wording of the of the steps. And um, he was a big advocate of God as we understand God, you know, and uh, and, and of course, Ebby, Ebby had that uh, thought earlier as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm always reminded when I learn about the early history of AA that the fellowship was made up of imperfect men and women. We are a group of imperfect men or, and women. No one got here recovered. You know, I got here on a roaring losing streak, <laughs> you know, and, the, you know, this formed the basis of re the recovery program that has enabled me in 2015 to continue to experience the unfolding of a spiritual um, awakening. And their individual trajectory, you know, um, as imperfect men and woman, women, I'm sorry about the background noise, I'm driving here, but they, um, you know, these are imperfect people. And, you know, some, you know, drank again, some didn't. It has no bearing on your ability to recover or the legitimacy of this practical program of action. You know, uh, I meet people all the time that, that, that pick up again, unfortunately. You know, and there's no judgment. There's acceptance. We accept them with love and, and understanding. Um, you know, I could I can walk in that direction too. Time. But the thing is, is there's certain things that we need to do uh, to stay on this pathway. And thank you, Monica. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay and Rakafit. You're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Thank you, Monica, for your service. This is Rakafit, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And what struck me when I, we were reading these two paragraphs is the, a couple of things. First, when he mentions that he had a workable program, a workable program, that is exactly what we have. This is workable. This is doable. So many people, so many people are following this program of recovery and then living in steps 10, 11, and 12, finding their higher power. That's that's amazing to me. Workable. Workable means that we can all do it. That it's not impossible. It's not a pie in the sky kind of thing or science fiction. It's a workable program. We follow the steps in the big book. We go through them one by one, and then afterwards, we're recovered and we live in steps 10, 11, and 12. And I think that's that's beautiful. And also, he was saying the doctor, "What do you have on the ball?" And this is what kept me coming back for 15 years through relapse after relapse after relapse. I never left. I knew the answer was here. And because I saw people that had things on the ball, they had their life on the ball, you know, and I didn't. 
I didn't, and also their descriptions of what their lives were before made me see how much they had on the ball after practicing the, pro the workable program. So hearing people share about what their lives were and how they changed, how they changed and how they're living according to spiritual principles today, that is really having, I think, your life on the ball. And because I heard this from people from one after another after another, that is what helped me to keep coming back through my misery, through my pain, through my hell of constantly relapsing. The answer is here for me. And it is. It really is the answer here for me. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rakafit. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Kim. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., um, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I think about, like, to be selected um, from that stream of misery and, you know, I, I appreciate listening this morning and hearing um, Penny and Larry who have, you know, historical knowledge of this because I don't. And um, and, I, and I just love that, you know, not only am I getting uh, my, like, fired up, you know, with this spirit of recovery, but that my knowledge, you know, is growing as well. And so I can appreciate that. And, um, you know, and I think about, to be saved from the stream of misery and how, you know, the doctor was kind of making decisions about um, who could be, you know, who I guess was worthy of being, you know, or who was bad enough um, to, to be worth a shot at being saved from this stream of misery. And just those words, you know, I think about um, the stream of misery that, that was my life and, and how, you know, I first... Um, heard of OA um, many, many, many years ago, and like 25 years ago, um, somebody, the parents, you know, a girl that I was friendly with, parents were going to a meeting, and they mentioned it to me, and I went, and, you know, these particularly parents, they never um, continued with the program. I think they may have gone to one meeting, and that might have been it, and you know, and for me, I, I came and stayed for a while um, and got some level of, of knowledge about this program and some level of um, an understanding, not deep, but, and so then I did leave. And, but yet somehow, you know, thank God I was worthy of being, you know, saved from the stream of misery way back then because years later, you know, I found my way back to OA and, you know, it just makes me think that, and, and even listening to the historical story, that this particular man did not stay recovered. Um, but what a profound effect, an incredible effect he had um, on all of us, you know. And so I pray that my recovery is, is of a permanent, you know, one, but only God knows that. But in the meantime, you know, I do have a purpose, and my purpose is to carry the message because if my recovery at some point falls apart, um, hopefully someone else, you know, can have a beautiful, uh, you know, safe, being safe from that stream of misery. And, um, you know, so now that I go forth, um, I know that it's really important that I carry the message because, um, you know, it has that huge rippling effect. And um, thank you with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. See, Kim G., you're up. 
Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt a workable method of handling the situation. A workable method. I just want to zone in on that. You know, because a lot, a big part of that workable method is, do you have the problem? You know, and I think of a, a girl at my office right now who's, you know, my age and is walking with a cane. She's in so much pain, and she was diagnosed with sciatica and not getting better. And someone finally encouraged her to go to a different doctor, and here she was misdiagnosed. They're treating her for sciatica, and through some testing, they found she's got chips on her, on some of her vertebrae. So. I think it's so essential, you know, do we have the problem? Because to treat something with a workable method and you don't have that problem isn't helpful. So for years, you know, I thought my problem was food and weight. And if that which was truly my problem, then the solution would be accident. The solution would be a specific food plan. You know, I have this allergy to the body that once I ingest it, I cannot stop. I cannot reasonably predict how much I'm going to have. And what does the doctor's opinion teach us about that? It teaches us about the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. So I don't get to put down 90% of my binge foods. I don't get to have you know, my, you know, my food plan and my abstinence being one thing when I'm losing weight, and it, ch and it changes, my abstinence changes when I get to goal weight. I have to fully concede that is my, my permanent disability. And if that was enough, then I would be done. But what is my real problem? My real problem is I have this mind. I have this mental obsession, this mental twist that no matter how long I've been abstinent, no matter how long I've been away from those foods that trigger me, my mind convinces me to have the food that I cannot eat. So what is the big book telling us that workable method is? Number one, I have to be abstinent. I have to do that to have clarity of mind. And number two, I need to work these steps so that I can have something become between me and that mental obsession. I need to be free from the idea that I can eat again. And I think to myself of page 34, which I think is so, it's so uh, just, it clarifies what I'm talking about right now. It says, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. So am I convinced of that allergy of the body? We are assuming, of course, the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit on a non-spiritual basis depends upon the, um, I'm sorry, not so, but it depends on the extent which he has already lost the power of choice to drink. So the big book doesn't tell us don't drink. The big book tells us you're going to drink, you're going to drink, you're going to drink, unless you have a spiritual experience, if you have our disease. And if you do, we have a workable method to free you from that disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And who else would like to comment on these two paragraphs? Mary Kay. This is Bella. Can I sell? Bella. Anybody else? All right. Mary Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Bella. Good morning. Thank you. I'm Mary Kay, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, I actually want to comment on the um, sentence, uh, the comment, what did our friend have on the ball? Because what that speaks to me is actually why I come back to these rooms um, because I find people here that have things on the ball that I want. I'm when I listened, I listen, I would love to hear a number of how many total years 
of recovery that so many of the regulars talk to on this line since as they share their hope and their experience and their strength. Um, I'm new to the lines. I've only been on the lines for a couple of months, only new to a 12-step program for three months. Um, and I am just humbled and amazed at the hope that I have gained. And I felt compelled to speak up this morning as a, as a new voice in the room that is learning so much from these people who have so much on the ball that give me, share their experience and their strength and their hope and are passing it along to me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Mary Kay. And Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Workable method. Wow, such strong two words. Yes, before program, I thought I, I was looking for something that will work for me, and I thought that my problem is that I am overweight, and if I will lose weight, everything will be fine. So I did so many diets, but and I lost, but all the time I gained double and triple, and I was living in a kind of blaming and judging, blaming and judging others and judging myself. If only, if only I will be, I would be strong and I would continue the diet. If only I would live in a different place. If only I would have a different society. And nothing w was working. So I really was miserable and all, all other people were miserable too. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I came into the program and I found a workable method. Yes, I started to understand who I am and to accept myself, whoever I am, and to look at myself without blaming and judging. And this helped me to be a part of a wonderful society, of a wonderful community, and to be helpful, to help others, and to to be helped, because, and not to in a kind of judging and blaming. Now I understand that this program is a workable method, because it's life, it's not diet, it's the, the food and the, the eating behavior is a symptom. And now that, thank you, God, I am in the program, I can live, live in freedom and peaceful. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Chrissy, Chrissy M. Chrissy M. Anybody else? All right, go ahead, Chrissy. Hi, good morning. I'm Chrissy M., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Anorexic from New Jersey. Um, I love the, the line in our literature that says that anger is the luxury of more balanced folks, or resentment is the anger. I'm not sure which word is used. I think it's in 12 and 12. I love that. I love that line because it, it applies here for me. You know, I need a workable method to deal with my life. I did what, you know, the luxury of common folks. Common folks could, like, blow off their day with a couple, you know, a glass of wine, 
common folks could blow off their day with with a little dessert at night, you know, to sit down with their husband and, you know, chat over, you know, two cookies. I don't do that. But that's the luxury of more balanced folks. What I do is I take it to the limit. I take everything to the limit. I am not a balanced folk, and I need a workable method to get balanced, and that's what this program does for me. I mean, it's as simple as that for me. That's what this program does for me. It is a lot of um, uh, gadgets, a lot of springs and gadgets that make it all go, but it's, it's workable. All the little parts, there's lots of moving parts in how this program works, but the bottom line is that I... For me, I don't have a choice. I'm not a balanced person. I need a program to get myself into balance, and thank God I have one. Thank God it's here. And if you relate to not being a balanced person and taking food to the limit, and for me, many other addictions, then this is a workable method for you to get balanced. So with that, I'll share the time. Thanks. Thank you, Chrissy Ann. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? Hi, it's Sarit L. from Montreal. Sarit, go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Sarit L. from Montreal, a recovered compulsive over here. Can like you speak up just you... a little bit? You're very soft, please. Oh, sure. Um, thank you. I like to think that what made this method work for me this past time around was that I was told to cooperate to listen and to follow directions. And if you ask me, I think this is a 12-step, two-tool program. Because, you know, do what your sponsor says and do the steps. And this is the only method that works. I I can't just be more patient or less fearful or less judgmental. I can't wish this away. Um, I need to do a 10-step turnaround. I need to see my part, a fear turnaround, and then wait for God to show up for me and remove it. And he does in his time. It's happened. It's completely happened. And, um, you know, the the obsession has been driven out. And then I've acted as if until he's shown up for me. And I've um, I've heard it said that spiritual growth is measured by distance covered rather than destination reached. And I love that line because for me it's a process and it's happened over time. It's it's uh, all these progresses that have I've seen show up in my life are the promises, and um, it's only because I've been working this workable method, which started off by cooperating and doing exactly as my sorry as my sponsor said, and uh, with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarit. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Rachel N M, would you read for us, please? Yes, good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. Rachel, can you speak up a little louder, please? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up. But if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. When a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, 
There will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can and will. Well, it's interesting to me, um, a few pages back, our um, experience was that we were getting more and more isolated and more and more uh, just wrapped up in ourselves and our drinking. And now that we've put down the the alcohol or the food or food behaviors and um, worked the steps and we're sharing with others, we'll soon have friends galore. And so one of the things I wanted to think about um, with this is what what the changes have been. And on page 62, um, we find out that we are the children and God is the Father. And we when we took this position, remarkable things followed. We enjoy peace of mind and we lose fear. And then on page 83, it tells us that we become sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. And as God's people, we don't crawl before anyone. And then we're helping others to face life again. And everyone has an opportunity. No one has sunk too low. It's no wonder when, if God can make these changes in our life, that um, we are able to make relationships with other humans again. I'm very thankful for what God has done in my life. I pass. Thank you, Rachel and M. And who would like to comment on this paragraph? Paula D. Paula D. Anybody else? Reva P. Reva. Sharon A. Sharon H. Leah M. I didn't hear that. Carolyn A. Carolyn. Carolyn H. and Sarah W. Okay, let's go with that to start with. Paula D., Reva P., Sharon H., Leah M., Carolyn H., and Sarah W. Paula, you're up. And thank you. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service. And this would be Paula D. from New Hampshire, a compulsive of you to recover today with the grace of God. You know, we come to the bottom of this page. My goodness, it seems like these men are in the top of the world, doesn't it? When a few men in this city, now look at what it said, a few men, a few men, not many, have found themselves. What did they find? They found within themselves, as the big book says at the, at the end, on the spiritual experience. This is what it is. This is a spiritual experience. They tapped into it a, a power. And they discovered the joy of helping others to face life again. What we always wanted to run away from, run away from life. We always wanted to run away from life, never to look at it again, because we didn't think we had the resources. But we have tapped to face life again. I'm reading it again. This is huge. There will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity. That's it. No, you've been given an opportunity to recover if he can and will. And even here, the spiritual experience, I believe, is not knowing outcomes. I don't know what the outcome is for anyone. But I want to go to Paige, and I know my time is running out. 89. Practical experience shows, and this is working with others. (laughs) It's funny how that comes right together here, doesn't it? 
that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. True enough. True enough. Carry this message to other alcoholics. You are the message. Oh, if you know the book and you know the pages and you know it well, fine. But if you can only read line by line, fine. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. You must not forget this because you were there too. Life will take on a new meaning. Oh, my. Discover the joy of helping others. And there, the new meaning. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Sharon H. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Uh, What struck me in this paragraph is uh, finding myself, discovering the joy of helping others, and facing life again, and also the opportunity to recover. So finding myself, um, that for me reminds me that I didn't know what was underneath all the numbness that I created um, by um, compulsively overeating and binging. I was totally blocked. I didn't know uh, what my thinking was. I didn't know what I felt. Um, It was an escape from all of those things uh, when I binged myself like crazy. So finding myself reminds me that first I needed to do, you know, the steps one, two, three, and and get rid of the blockages in four through nine. Um, And then living in 10, 11, and 12, finding myself is so closely related with finding a power greater than myself. Um, Because after the blocks were removed, I found that I could have courage to do things that I would never in my wildest dreams have imagined I could do because I had access to this power um, that wasn't of my own uh, willfulness. Um, And then discovering, it just um, portrays to me this sense of excitement, discovering the joy of helping others. I never wanted to help others. I was too busy with my own problems, don't you know? Um, So to not only do it, um, and to not do it as an obligation, but to find the joy and how it you know, helps me and ensures my immunity from um, going back to the disease. And facing life, as was just shared, I didn't want to face life. I didn't want life on life's terms. I was either upset about life being the way it was or trying to change life to suit the way I wanted or thought I needed it to be. Um, and the ability um, to live life on life's terms um, and the realization that things you know, are unfolding better than my wildest dreams, that is such a huge miracle. And I also love the reminder that we all have opportunities to recover, but there's an if. If I can and will, which reminds me, I have to do my part. It's not magic even though it's miraculous. Um, it takes work, it takes effort, and it's also a reminder, I came in and I was told that maybe 10% of people who walk in the doors of OA stick around um, and get recovered. Um, and here it says, you know, maybe uh, more than half, which is, I guess, larger. But I know we all have opportunities, but am I going to seize that opportunity? Like the dead seizing a life preserver? Or I'm going to say, you know, it's not so convenient, it's a little too hard, 
I don't really have time. Um, and, and that's my choice. Um, so thank you, God. I live in an era where I do have the opportunity and the choice. Um, and um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Sharon H., you're up, and then it'll be Leah M. Good morning, Monica. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater by God's Grace in Colorado. Thank you for your service, and um, I just love this paragraph. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous, and when a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can and will. And uh, this just brought to my mind today, <laughs> um, just amazingly, uh, going back to XIII um, and to just see where we are today on this phone line. I now have so many friends that I haven't even met them in person with the exception of a few. And uh, back in 1939, the forward to the first edition said there will be, there is more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And that was the gift that I received, uh, was to follow this book, follow the directions, and um, do what I had not been able to do for many years, and that was to, I could get abstinent, but I couldn't stay abstinent because I didn't believe to the core of my being uh, regarding this addiction that I did have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And so it is a tremendous joy today to be helping others to face life again myself, accepting life on life's terms. I never wanted to do that. I always wanted to rearrange everything according to what I thought was the way it should be. And if they can and will, and today I'm one of those who fall in that category that I can and I will be recovered one day at a time as long as I follow the directions in this book and the blessing to reach out and help others who are still suffering. And um, so I am just so grateful to be a part of this program and to be able to share for a few minutes on the line today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sharon H. Leah M., you're up, and then it'll be Carolyn H. Thank you very much, Monica. I just wanted to focus in on those few words here, uh, helping others to face life again. You know, I don't know when when it happened in the history of, you know, AA and our 12-step program, but, you know, somehow in, in OA, uh, you know, it went from a life-changing program to a non-compulsive overeating program, meaning simply and only focused on abstinence, you know, the major success, how long have I been abstinent, rather than by the quality of the abstinence and the quality of our lives and the quality of the recovery. You know, these steps, this process that we go through, uh, remove the character defects that we have and allow us to become different people. 
Um, you know, this is not just a juicy novel, you know, that we pick up in a bestseller section of your local Barnes and Nobles. I mean, you know, recovered people come with something much more than abstinence. Uh, yes, abstinence. Obviously, abstinence is a necessity, and we all know our abstinence dates, and I certainly can tell you mine. Um, but, you know, the dates that I would like to tell you about that reflect the changing that occurred uh, over the course of my recovery process are dates that I don't know. <laughs> like, I'd love to tell you the date that I stopped raging. You know, I used to get into these rages and throw things around, mugs and plates and cups and smash mirrors. You know, that started when I was a kid. I'd love to tell you when that stopped. I'd love to tell you when the suicidal thoughts stopped. I'd love to tell you when all the self-loathing stopped. I'd love to tell you when I stopped lashing my husband with a critical tongue. I'd love to tell you those dates. I don't know those dates. But I can tell you that this program of recovery allowed me to begin to face life. It allowed me to begin to face life. It was a learning process which produced a new person living a new way of life, and that is a transformation, and that transformation has been profound <laughs> because all I ever knew and all I ever wanted was to be thin, but all I wanted to do was to eat. But what if I could find a way to live where my mind wasn't locking on that sense of ease and comfort that came at once by digging my fists into bags and boxes? And that process is called recovery. And that process allows me to live life. And that's what this is about, implementing the steps to be in recovery. And that's what happened. You know, I didn't have a rough time compulsively overeating. I compulsively overate very, very well. I had a rough time living. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah M. Carolyn H., you're up, and then it'll be Sarah W. Thank you so much, Monica. This is um, a really awesome paragraph, you know, showing me how I can be useful and helpful to others because I was so wrapped up in self that, I didn't know that other people actually existed. And when I did something nice for other people, I wanted to be recognized for it. I wanted to have that recognition and that glory and all that other wonderful stuff. And in doing that, I'm still being wrapped up in me. I'm still being selfish. And I have no idea how to not be selfish until I followed this program, this simple program, these simple 12 steps. I had no idea how broken I truly was. And the thing was that I had to accept that whatever was going on this very minute was exactly what was supposed to be happening. Exactly. And that was the hardest thing for me to deal with, was to accept that my life was so broken, I couldn't fix it. So who could? Who could? I had to find my own version of a higher power, as Abby said to Bill, create your own version of, of what God should be to you. That's what I needed to do. I don't know exact wording. I can't remember exact wording. I can't remember exact pages. All I know is I try to live life on life's terms today. And as I guide people through this book and through the recovery process, 
I ask them to do the same thing. Just as the acceptance paragraph on 417 and on, you know, the prayer for, uh, for those that I have resentments against. Those two things are the things that started me off in the right direction. Every day I had to talk about accepting life on life's terms so that I could get a handle on creating a higher power that worked for me so that I could also do for others what someone else has done for me. And only God can do that for me. Only God was able to bring me to my senses and to help me to see what it was that was broken in my life, what was missing in my life, and how it could be fixed. And it was only by allowing those other people to be used by God himself to show me, to talk to me, to guide me. That's the only way I could find it. And today, that peace and joy that I find inside is by doing the same thing for other people who are coming after me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn H. Sarah W., you're up. Good morning, Monica. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Iowa. Um, Thank you for your service. Um, I wanted to focus on some of them may sink and perhaps never get up. Um, I know for myself, uh, I went through a very long, ugly relapse, and um, I wanted to, um, you know, the thought came to me, inspired me to say that, you know, it says perhaps, perhaps never get up. And I know for myself, you know, almost a 10-year relapse, over a 100-pound relapse, and really more importantly, as was stated earlier, you know, the emotional sobriety that I lost and the insanity that occurred um, that really hurt many people, including myself, but many of my loved ones and others around me uh, through my behaviors. And um, what I can say is that, thank God, I I realized where to come to. And thank God there were arms that were open to me to come back and um, people that were there to guide me and to to help me learn what I could could do to come out of that. And, um, you know, as it was talked about, you know, facing life again, for me, it's, it's about not not thinking that I that I should know or um, or decide what the outcome will be, because it really has always been, in essence, better than I could ever have imagined when I let go of it, let go of outcomes, let go of what will be, and when I allow myself to flow through the day and really connect with the higher power, and and try to look for where is God's will for me, um, to help others. Uh, to look in ways that, you know, maybe would be, you know, unusual to help others is where, you know, God really shows himself to me. And, um, you know, we all do have this opportunity to recover, as it says, if if he can and will. You know, and it talks about it in, in the fifth chapter, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You know, I mean, really, the truth of it is that, we have to want it badly enough and we have to be willing to walk through some difficult 
painful, uncomfortable places, but it's far more better than anything that I could have ever lived through in, in relapse and in, in the food because I really get to live. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And with that, we've come to the end of our meeting here this morning, and I want to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Deb W., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Okay. Deb W. recovered uh, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we are only know, okay, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.